Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. The Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution reads, in part, No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. The Fourth Amendment also states in part the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. To our founders, a person's private property consisted of his home and land, his material possessions, the work of his hands, the creative ideas of his mind, and his life itself. The source for their belief can be found in the Ten Commandments prohibitions against bearing false witness, coveting, theft, and murder. In many ways, our Constitution clearly protects the sovereignty and property rights of the individual against the central government's natural tendency to increase its authority and control over the states and their citizens. The unfortunate fact is that the private property rights have been progressively limited and eviscerated by Supreme Court decisions that ignore the unmistakable meaning of the written words of our Constitution that were meant to protect those rights. The government can steal your property through eminent domain abuse, condemnation, and confiscation. But it can also steal your property through regulations that limit your ability to use and enjoy your property by ordinances and arbitrary land use restrictions, restrictive building codes, oppressive zoning laws, and unconstitutional search and seizure procedures based on laws that are either fabricated or otherwise unenforceable. Proponents of an all-powerful central government needed a strategy to advance their agenda in a manner that would be perceived by the public to comply with constitutional law. In the Supreme Court, the progressive movement found the perfect tool to hide their deceitful activities behind the, the mask of legal sanctity. In the final analysis, it is we, the American people, who are being betrayed by a group of arrogant jurists who are chosen for their political beliefs, not their judicial prowess. Their legal infallibility is proclaimed by the winners of their decisions, while the ugly truth is that each of them is a human being governed 
by personal prejudice. Where is the infallibility in the denial of Dred Scott's humanity or prohibiting Roscoe Filburn from growing wheat for his own personal use or the theft of money for the unconstitutional Ponzi scheme called Social Security? The U.S. Constitution is a contract originally agreed to by 13 states by which they formed a federal government with specified limited powers, reserving all other non-enumerated powers to the states and their citizens. The federal government, all three branches, was the creation of that contract and not a party to it. At the end of the Constitution, there is a list of signatures from each of the states. There is absolutely no signature line for the federal government because, as I said, they are not a party to that agreement. Only in the progressive mind can we find the fantasy that a monolithic, all-powerful central government can be created using the legal machinery of our Constitution. Nevertheless, while we were sleeping, they created reality from that fantasy. I think it's time for us to wake up. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Christina Sandifer, Executive Vice President of the Goldwater Institute, a defender of the Constitution and the liberties and rights it secures and guarantees to each of us. Christina, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio. Hey, thanks for having me, Dr. Dan. I appreciate it. It's really great to have you here, and there's so much to discuss, because I know the Goldwater Institute is very, very active, extremely active in the legal aspect of protecting private property rights, which is really what this is all about. So let's talk uh, maybe a general discussion of the constitutional takings by eminent domain and unconstitutional taking by regulation. What is your position, and how do you handle that? Yeah, well, you know, I think what you, the way you teed this up, although depressing, uh, is just right because private property really is a fundamental human right. It, it, it to us is a critical ingredient in freedom. And so that's why the Constitution mentions private property more than any other right. You've named a couple of the provisions. There are others. Uh, and this forbids government essentially from taking our property away from us. And if the government is going to take our property away from us, it can only do so for a public purpose. And then it has to pay us in order for doing that. Uh, but unfortunately, over the years, decades of really, really bad court decisions, especially at the Supreme Court level, uh, have really betrayed these constitutional guarantees and have taken away our private property rights without any sort of compensation. And that's really important not only because people aren't getting paid for their private property, but also because this is a signal to government that it costs absolutely nothing to take away the most essential of all of our rights, Rights that uh, that are the foundation, or as I say uh, in a book I co-authored, uh, the cornerstone of liberty, the cornerstone, the foundation of all of our other rights. And you mentioned that there are two ways that government does this, through eminent domain and through regulatory takings. So if we talk about eminent domain, you know, this is government's power to take land from people directly. This is when the government comes in and takes away your private property uh, and the Constitution says if it's going to do that, it has to do it for a public use. But unfortunately, uh, many of your listeners are probably familiar with the infamous Kilo versus New London case. And in that case, it came down 12 years ago. The United States Supreme Court really shocked almost everybody in the entire country 
by rubber stamping a decision by Connecticut government officials to take away private homes of private individuals by eminent domain for what? Not for a what we would think of as a public purpose, a road or a hospital or a, a military base, but instead for a private redevelopment project. Those officials wanted a private company, namely Pfizer, to come in and they thought, well, you know, we could get a lot more tax revenue from it, the, you know, if we take away these private homes and we replace them with big corporate development. We give it away to this corporation, Pfizer, and we put in high-rise luxury condominiums and shopping and eating. And the Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision, said that was perfectly fine, that it was a public, per- public use to take away somebody's private property and give it away for a private redevelopment project. That's where this all began. You know, that's, you, that's a case that is particularly important in my mind because it is recent. And what it did is it essentially took one person's private property and gave it to another private person or entity. I mean, that is grand theft. In this case, I mean, really grand theft because you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars, people's who had invested their lives, their savings, whatever, in their homes were uprooted, their homes were taken, and this property was just given to another entity. Uh, people look at a decision like that and they say, how can this happen? And that's a, and that's a great question. And when you think about it, it, it makes absolutely no sense because the Constitution says private property can be taken for public use. And again, there are many things we think of as public uses. But the one thing we know that a public use is not is a private use. And yet the Supreme Court in this narrow decision, this is a very close decision, five to four. Uh, Justice Kennedy, unfortunately, was the swing vote. And later on in our discussion, we'll talk more about uh, another recent private property rights case where he was the swing vote on the wrong side. But essentially what the court said is, look, the government gets to decide what is a public use. Uh, The lawmakers, the legislators get to decide and if they think that property is better used for the public uh, for one private purpose versus another, uh, then they have the power to do that. And again, that, that is just absolutely outrageous. That means that nobody's home is safe. And that essentially allows government to place a value on what people or purposes uh, they think are more essential or more important than others. And if you think about it, it, that takes us back to private property, again, as the foundation of all other rights. We can't exercise our right to freedom of religion, for example, if we can't have private property rights. If the government can come in and say, hey, we can co- we're can, we going to take away your church because we think it would be better off as a Walmart, um, you know, what? what's to stop them from doing that under this scenario? And again, if the government can come in and take away a church, we can't exercise our freedom of religion. If they can take away our printing press, uh, we can't exercise uh, our freedom of speech. And so it really is just an awful ruling, and it, it, it garnered at the time lots of national outcry. And I think it's important to note that this is not a decision that only people on the right, that only conservatives aboard, This was a decision that people on the left and right, on both sides of the political spectrum, people in cities, people in the country, all over the United States, uh, were really outraged because they knew that that meant that their homes were not safe. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after a quick break.
We are talking with Christina Sandifer, the Executive Vice President of the Goldwater Institute. Christina is the co-author of a new book, The Cornerstone of Liberty, Private Property Rights in 21st Century America. You know, the byline of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum and Freedom Forum Radio, and actually something that will be broadcast in the intro to this and every single program is that the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated or regulated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. You've just articulated that as well. And that is really the basis of what makes us free. A free man, and I mean man in the in, in not in the gender sense, but a, a free man is free because he can own property. If you think, you look back at the history of the world, for centuries, only the nobles could own property. They owned everything. And everyone else was just sort of renting this or, or you could, well, you could own your pots and pans and maybe a horse. But the actual land that your house or hut or whatever, or tent stood on did not belong to you. It belonged to some duke or duchess or king or queen or someone. And so that's where when our founders came to this country and when we had our war of independence, they said, when we do this, we're going to do it different. There's going to be no nobility in the United States so that everyone can own their own piece of land. And, you, you know, you mentioned another important thing when you introduced this session. You, you talk about possessions as well. Private property isn't just about homes or land. It's also about our possessions. And those things are not trivial. Those are the things that really define our humanity and, and our individuality. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, something as simple, we, uh, this is something else we write about in our in our book, Cornerstone of Liberty, something as simple as a wedding ring. My wedding ring, you know, it's it's worth not all that much, actually. It's fairly simple. I chose a colonial pattern because I'm very interested in the founding era. And you could say, well, gosh, what is what is that actually worth? You could put some dollar amount on it. But it's worth an infinite amount to me because it has a special significance. That wedding ring represents, you know, my marriage. It, it represents my family. My husband is uh, also an attorney who fights for people's constitutional rights and property rights. He's the co-author of uh, of my property rights book. And uh, so it represents our fight together uh, to defend freedom. And that is extremely important. And it also it also signifies something to the people I come into contact with. Right. It, it says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm married. Uh, that's an extremely important piece of property. And I think sometimes people don't think about the fact that little possessions, they allow us to express ourselves, to say something about ourselves, to associate with others, to disassociate with others, all very, very important things and important pieces of being human. Uh, human. And that's why when collectivist societies and big governments want to deny people their rights and deny people their humanity, the first thing they do is outlaw private property and collectivize the property and, and turn it over to the government because that really does strip us of our humanity and our ability to think for ourselves. Well, you know, and you mentioned that the the first plank, number one plank in Karl Marx's Communist manifest, Manifesto is the elimination of all private property. Without the elimination of private property, you cannot have collectivism. Uh, and so that's why our private property is so important to us, and our Constitution protects and secures our individual right to own private property. And as you correctly mentioned, not just your land and your home, not just your possessions, 
Our founders actually said in the Constitution that the creative ideas of your mind, the work of your hands, is part of your private property. And, of course, the basic absolute of your private property is your life. Because that question, who owns your body? Well, that question has to be answered. I own my own body, and that's why I am free. And that's why legislation like Obamacare, for instance, which allows the government to decide who will live and who will die, is one of the ultimate anti-private property pieces of legislation ever passed in the United States. I think you're absolutely right about that. And, and I think that that is true across the healthcare industry, which is really no longer a market and has not been for many years in this country. And this is this is really an issue that uh, is at the central core of what the Food and Drug Administration does in the federal government now. You know, when the FDA was formed in the early 20th century, it was essentially supposed to empower patients by making sure that they had accurate information so they could make decisions, medical decisions with their doctors. This was something that was supposed to be uh, focused on the doctor-patient relationship. And of course, states were traditionally the government that would regulate um, the medical profession. And now, flash forward to today, and we have a federal agency that is so large and out of control that essentially you need a permission slip from the government before you can make any sort of medical decision. And we're not just talking about insurance. We're talking about any kind of medicine that I want to take that might make me feel better or might help me save my own life. The FDA has said that before you can, you and your doctor can make those decisions, you have to get permission from the federal government. And of course, because the federal government operates at a grueling pace, we have uh, a, a, an extremely lengthy, sometimes up to 15-year-long process that, uh, for approving life-saving medications. And on the other hand, you have patients that are sometimes diagnosed with terminal illnesses, given only months to live. There may be a promising medication out there that We've, we already know it's safe. The FDA is t- tested. It's, it's safe. It's, being, it's going through human trials. Uh, it's the only option out there that might work for a patient, and it could still be 10 years away from approval, and the federal government blocks patients from being able to take that medication even if the doctor says it's good for the patient, even if the patient wants to make that choice. And that, again, comes down essentially to a property right. If I own my body, as long as I have the information to make the decision, as long as somebody's not being fraudulent or deceitful, I should be able to decide with my doctor whether or not I want to take certain treatments, and I shouldn't have to beg the federal government for permission. But you're right that now we have a federal government that is so large and intrusive in our everyday lives that we really don't have private property rights anymore in this country. As a physician, I deal with this every single day of my life. And people wonder why healthcare is expensive. It's expensive because we have to go through hurdle after hurdle after hurdle after hurdle just to do things that we know are right. We have a physician who has practiced any reasonable amount of time, understands disease processes, and from experience knows what works and what does not work. When you have a federal government that says, well, with this diagnosis, you will try treatment one first. If that doesn't work, you will try treatment two. If that doesn't work, you'll try treatment three. Well, what if I already know that treatment one and two are not going to work? 
I need to go right to treatment three, but I'm not allowed to do that because this is really all about control. That's what we're looking at here. What government, when it gets big, and the proponents of big government seek only one thing. They don't seek the betterment of humankind. They don't seek to make things better. They only seek to control individual activity. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, that not only in private property do we have this situation with eminent domain, but we also have what what I would argue is actually far more common and, and really much more dangerous and that is regulation on property rights. This is what we're talking about now or what a lawyer would look at as a regulatory taking. Uh, And and all of these things are examples, really, of regulatory takings, taking of your right to property. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning. (laughs) 